0: Get my 38 sheets of notes ready are you ready it's good to be back again and uh looking at the word of god with you and uh anyone who was here when we were laying out the uh hall as the um, tabernacle you'll remember that time did you experience anything of the presence of God at that time? I'd love to see those heads nodding, that's grand. Great. Well, it's a delight to be with you and my wife Elaine with us as well today and I'm always glad of her support and encouragement. Do you know I've been reading a book recently? Anybody enjoy reading? Uh, I, it's, a, it's a really good book I've been reading. It's... um. It's great, except that the, uh, the hero in the book dies. But don't worry, he rises up again three days later. It's a really good book and I encourage you to read it. Today we're going to look at the experience of meeting with God. Based on a couple of examples in the scriptures. And uh, there are lots of examples because the, the the Bible is full of real life people going through real life encounters. Uh, it should be to us an inspiration that these people are so ordinary, and yet God meets with them. Our first story comes from Genesis twenty eight. And verses 10 to 19, which should appear magically on the screen behind me. And we are reading the story of Jacob, uh, the grandson of Abraham, when he was going about his ordinary life, in conflict with his brother and running away. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Lo. Jacob was just travelling from one place to another. He was just going about his ordinary everyday business. But he came across a massive revelation of who God is in that place. About six miles north of Jerusalem is the place called Bethel, and it's been a place where Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, originally had pitched his tent, erected an altar, and uh, called on the name of the Lord. And now, again, for Jacob, it is a place of meeting with God. It is for him, the bottom of the stairway to heaven. You he a heavy song from the past. Jacob responded by worshipping in the way that he'd been brought up. He took the stone, not a particularly good pillow, but good for, for worship, and he took the stone and he set it up and he poured oil over it, recognising the revelation that he had received. Now, that wasn't the last time that Jacob saw Bethel. He went off to Laban, his uh, uh, uncle. He, spent time there, he uh, gained wives and children and flocks and herds and came back again and he came to Bethel. And we read that just a little bit further on in chapter 35. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan, where he built an altar and he uh, called the place El Bethel. That means the God of Bethel, because it was where God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel, so it was named Alon-Bakuth. After Jacob returned from Padam-Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob, your name will be called Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. And Jacob set up a stone pillar once again at the place where God had talked with him and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. In that place, God met with him not once but twice. He was going about his ordinary everyday business, just traveling as he was. But God met with him in that place. When he was, you can imagine with Jacob, he was so busy with everything, trying to do this and do that. In fact, it says what the, the name of Jacob means, and it's the, um, in our previous passage. Go on. Look, remind myself. There was a, a note from chapter twenty-eight, and it says, "Oh no, it was split. This one. Up. S- excuse me. I think because I think it's important. Uh, Israel means he struggles with God. Sorry, they just got out of my mind for a moment." He struggles with god and so you can imagine jacob being struggling getting on with uh, things doing this and doing that and god's i think it's rather lovely god takes a time when he's going to be still he's sleeping and then he comes and reveals himself to him in the quiet still place and quite often in our busy lives we're going here and we're going there, we're doing the things that we want to do in order to achieve things but God wants us to be still like the song we were singing, be still and know that he is God if you can think of a time when God met with you, when you felt him close when you heard from him That's grand. It's worth remembering, as um, Jacob did, he came back to the place of Bethel, recalled what had happened before, and God met with him again. And I think it's great that we remember those times when God has met with us, and recall those things, and see what God has said, and allow him to meet with us again. In a way, Jacob was also involved in the second story, which takes place 57 miles further north of Bethel, in a valley next to Mount Gerizim. And we turn to the New Testament, to chapter 4 of John, and Jacob's well. The well at Sychar is still there today. Jacob Uh, and his men managed to carve through solid stone and they built a a well that was probably about 50 feet deep. You know it's not 50 feet deep today because people who visited it have taken a stone and dropped it in the well and it's probably about half the depth and is dry now because people have done that over the years but at the time of jesus it was an active well and uh, a place where they came to draw water it's on the direct route from jerusalem to galilee so jesus passed by that area on the way through none of this is unexpected or unusual just like with jacob It's not unusual. But we start the story in uh, verse 4 of chapter 4 of John. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship the Spirit in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. God, what an encounter for that woman to have. Is going about her ordinary business. Going to fetch water, as she's done many times before, no doubt. And she meets up with the Messiah. And she has an encounter with Jesus, just in the ordinary, everyday life. Let's take three things from this story. First of all, water is a type of the Holy Spirit. Just like fire and um, a dove and the wind, they all speak to us as something about the nature of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like water. It's a bringer of life. We can't live without it. It brings refreshment to us. Jesus uses the conversation to give an insight into the nature of the Holy Spirit as living water that brings eternal life. And then he draws on that insight later as he talks about worship. And what do we see here that he says about the water? It will be a a well springing up from within. The Holy Spirit is in us something we cannot attain by our own efforts as we are ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit within us, so it becomes in us, like a well of water welling up within us. The power of God comes to bring life and to bring it not because we've struggled, but because we've yielded to Christ. So water is a type of the Holy Spirit. But secondly... A place of worship is not important, but true worship is. Now, it's good that we come here together on a Sunday, but the point is that Jesus is saying it doesn't matter where you are, provided your spirit, your heart, your intention is towards Christ. Open to to Jesus. Jacob was just travelling and sleeping in the normal way when God met with him. The woman tries to box God into a particular location, but Jesus opens it out, making it clear that location is not the issue. The issue is being open to the Spirit of God. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near... To all who call on him in truth. Let's say that together, shall we? The Lord is near to all who call on him in truth. In truth. Does it twice? Yes, all who call on him, call on him in truth. Some years ago, we moved into the house we're in and uh, we were thinking about how we were going to best use the garden. And Elaine said to me, I'd really like to have a room in the garden. And we came across one, um, a a garden room, and uh, went over to Wales and picked it up in a big van. And then laid out four pieces on the lawn and assembled it. And uh, we now have uh, a room in the corner of the the garden. And every morning, um, Elaine disappears from uh, our bedroom down to the uh, the, the room in the corner of the, the garden to spend her time with the Lord. I have a different place. But I don't know whether you've got a place, a secret place, that you get aside, to spend some time with the Lord and there to worship him. It's not so important where it is, but what is important is that the worship is sincere and true. And that brings us to our third point. God seeks for worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. God seeks for worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. God is looking, uh, look on the lookout for uh, lives that are surrendered to Jesus. Lives that are giving glory to Him every day by every action. And every day of the week, not just Sundays. And in whatever place they are found. God seeks for worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth. They talked about worship. But Jesus said this, the time is coming and is now when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is seeking worship. Worshippers, people who will surrender their lives wholeheartedly. And also that they worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in truth means to be sincere and wholehearted and real. To worship in spirit means to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our worship and to lead us. And to well up within us. Some years ago, I had the opportunity to meet with Jackie Pullinger out in Hong Kong and to see something of what she was doing. If you've never heard of her, the work she did amongst the drug addicts and near um, do uh, in the Kowloon area of Hong Kong was just exemplary. But the point was, she was called to go into an ordinary place and be a person moving in the spirit of God. And what she did was outstanding. And uh, if you haven't read anything of her, please do, you'll find that will be a book that will uh, inspire and encourage you. But the point was, she went into an ordinary place, motivated by the power of the holy spirit and made a great difference god wants to call us to the same thing doing uh, an extraordinary thing in an ordinary place on ordinary days doing ordinary things see the spirit of god at work so we've looked at ordinary times that people are, are encountering god We've seen that the Holy Spirit is uh, spoken of in this passage, that the places of worship are not important, but true worship is, and that God seeks worshippers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray and seek the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit in order that we might be your people, empowered by you, not restricted to our own abilities or inabilities, but filled with you and empowered by you. Lord God, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to do that in us. So we ask you, Lord, would you come now? Come now and touch our lives. Come, Lord. Holy Spirit, touch our lives. Move amongst us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might be empowered to praise and worship you that we might be the kind of worshippers that you seek. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Spirit of Christ, move on us. Touch our lives. Change the ordinary into the extraordinary. May we encounter you in our ordinary, everyday lives in going about our ordinary business and find you to be there. Lord God, we ask you for that. Pray that you would touch us in Jesus' name. Amen. If God meets with you, do pass it on to others for their encouragement I remember a time when we were in a particularly difficult situation and uh, Elaine's parents paid for us to go away for a short break and whilst we were away in the midst of that difficult situation God met with us and I just encourage you, if you find you, you have an encounter with God, something happens something uh, that you just know is God working with you, do share it with somebody else for their encouragement and blessing. Good. Let's sing now the song, Christ is All.